Dubai I 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. Hello, Steve Cronin. Hello. Good to have you in the studio. Dead Simple Saving. What do you think about boxing? Not to put you on the spot. Sorry, I know you've come in to do the pay-per-view and you've got a lot of amazing stories, but I've just got, gone off on one slightly about boxing. It is one of the most athletic sports. It's not easy at all. And, and as, uh, as someone, some very wise person said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right? So, <laughs> so it probably teaches you all manner of, of things like discipline, and and fitness and how to cope with getting punched in the face but not my ideal pastime gotta say yeah i don't think i'll be taking it out although it could get some of my aggression out i mean i wouldn't hit anybody else i'd hit a bag could be quite a good way to sort of you know punch it out so to speak that's okay and if you worry that you've got too many brain cells then it's a way to just well, prune just, them a you bit could, i could just bang my head against the um punch bag you know just to you know just to be less challenging right amazing stories in uh, Steve Cronin is from Dead Simple Saving a fantastic uh, website and organisation if you are trying to figure out where you should be putting your money and so that you don't get caught out or ripped off which unfortunately can happen an awful lot in this country one of the most exciting stories that you have put in your list which I really love is about an amazing inventor who has sadly passed away he has and it's really sad that we only discover these people when they pass away. How many times has that happened? A lot. So Larry Tesla, who passed away at the age of 74 in Silicon Valley, he invented cut, copy and paste. Think how much easier your life is on your little laptop by being able to cut, copy and paste. And also he invented find and replace, which has to be one of the greatest inventions. Imagine the times when uh, you you were able to replace all of your friends' uh, keywords in their essays with rude words at school or whatever. I never um, did that. Did you do that? I'm older maybe, than you. I don't maybe. think find and replace existed when I was at school. Um, so so he, he really did make <laughs> a, a tremendous impact. That on... must have been awesome. Imagine if you were studying Charles Dickens and you replaced the word... Well, you just okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it must have happened in in the history of computing. He he was a cool guy because he he really believed that computers were for everyone, and this is back in the day when they really weren't for everyone, and they were pretty scary. So he first introduced this in in the Mac in eighty three and eighty four. So, so what a, what a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, do you know one of my favourite things to do is to read the obits. Uh, and and, and on, uh, in, in, in a newspaper, or actually The Economist, if you read the obits at the back, I mean, everyone, you can never read the whole of The Economist magazine in a week because because they've been invented to make it impossible. It just gets longer. It's like a sort of magician's thing. Um, and But if you, you know, if you le- read the leaders and then you read the obits, I believe you are set for conversation for the rest of the week. I would say start from the back. You start with the obituary, then you do the books, then you do the science section. You're good to go. Ah, oh, you do it in that order, do yeah. you? I also skip to the Middle East bit, but there's never any decent Middle East stories. It's always about Africa because they do Mina rather than... Anyway. Uh, so very, very interesting. Cut, paste, inv- the cut, copy, paste inventor dying. Uh, he will be well missed. That is Larry Tesla. Not like you think Tesla with an A, but Tesla E-R. Uh, and now another story which is sort of linked to computers, but slightly dark. Mm. I've been worried that this has been on the horizon for a long time. And uh, Barclays has ended up in the news because it's just scrapped a rather big brotherish staff tracking system Mm. where they introduced it last week 
and it was designed to monitor the effectiveness of people's time at their desk. That sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? Just in itself, <laughs> you know that that so, somebody in marketing works that. Well, no, probably somebody in HR works that out. But basically, it means spying on you. Exactly, and and I I do worry that in the future you'll have to wear some kind of heart monitor and some kind of brain monitor and if you just think oh my boss is such a jerk uh, <laughs> over the tannoy it will come like steve can you please report to the head office and you're like oh no oh, now he knew uh, he knew my it's thoughts it's coming it's it's coming i what? remember oh i'm sorry I've, just, no, I've got to say yeah. it because it's an exciting thought i remember i don't think it was here i don't i don't think it was here in fact, no, no, it definitely wasn't here. Oddly enough, it was at my last job. Someone said uh, two people at the coffee machine is two people making coffee. Three people is a conspiracy. That's very true. Can you imagine the darkness of that? Sorry, Z, you were about to say something and no, I really I interrupted say, you. No, no, I was going to say I thought we were veering away from that. I thought we were all about flexible working hours and letting people like work away from the office and not chaining them to their desks. And, and with this... Uh, it's really It'll interesting. Put You're a right. Lot of people off working for Barclays. Sometimes yes. that can be even worse, though. If you have flexi time, you end up working all the time. And, and in companies where people are allowed to choose how much holiday they take, they end up taking less holiday. So sometimes some rules are good. Uh, the scary thing about this is they were literally tracking time at the desk, time away from the desk. It would send you a warning if you're away for too long. What? Um, and time offline. And, and so uh, someone made a really good point here, which was that managers cannot get away with tracking your toilet breaks. They don't sit there monitoring whether you've been away to, to the laboratory or not. And therefore, um, computer systems shouldn't do the same either. You know, we have to keep some kind of humanity in the workplace. Although you say that, and I do, but I remember in my 20s, I used to know a lot of people who are analysts at banks and assistant, you know, trainee lawyers. And I know some people who used to book meeting rooms to go and have a snooze because they'd had a late night the night before. And and I know people that have fallen asleep, asleep in the cubicles of Luz and woken up with very stiff necks because, you know, they're sort of wedged against the toilet hole, toilet roll, you know. Uh, toilet rolls do not make good pillows, I've heard. And so in those situations, maybe a system that stops you messing around is a good idea. You, it's better to have some kind of breathalyzer system where you, <laughs> you check that the person's actually got some sleep the night before and hasn't been partying out till 3 a.m. That would be more effective because having a nap in the middle of the day is actually good for you. It, well, it can boost productivity that, even for 15 yeah, minutes. that's true. I love it. That's I love the true. idea. Uh, my husband actually did get into trouble once. Uh, he, this is in the UK. He works as a lawyer. And what the lawyers look at on their computer screens is monitored. And lawyers actually have to have to bill in six-minute time slots. So it's really, really strict. And my husband had the BBC News open. Um, and he kept it, you know, he had it on his browser. And he had it open for the whole day. Because it doesn't cost money to have an internet page open. But it turns out that because of that, at the end of the month, he was called in and they said, we don't understand. It says here that you've spent 10 hours a day reading the BBC News website. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean I've billed for like 60 hours a day or whatever it was, you know, a week? Um, why do you like? And they were like, yeah, we thought you were lying on that. It's like, no, I just had the Web page open. And every now and then I'd look at it and see what was going on in the news. You know, I'd have a three minute break with a coffee or something. And but yeah, but this so this is to the level that they are monitoring, even now in most law firms.
firms or most I think in most companies they can actually monitor what you're doing yeah and if you're billing to the minute then fair enough I mean I this is why I prefer to work for myself and if I, <laughs> if I hate my boss then I got myself entirely to blame I'm really interested to get everyone's views on that actually whether or not you think it's appropriate for our bosses to be monitoring what we're doing on our computers you know to check out in some firms they used to ban on you know the internet uh, email providers so you couldn't even check Yahoo or uh, Gmail at work I remember I oh, went to wow. I worked as a receptionist once and they had they'd banned all the email all the email systems so you won't be checking your personal emails yeah. so it forces I have to say the you, the vibe you get when you that's just when I was temping the vibe when you go into those companies and that those are the rules is is one of you know, extreme negativity. You're just like, this is a horrible place to work. Yeah. So one of my friends runs a great company called Escape the City. You do not have to work in one of these companies. In fact, they're struggling to recruit people because people have had enough of this. Really interesting. Have enough. Get social and join the conversation. Find Dubai Eye 103.8 on Facebook and Instagram. We have uh, the fabulous Steve Cronin from Dead Simple Saving, uh, the website and advisory body that helps you uh, make sure that you put your money in the right place and uh, don't get ripped off. Uh, he's in the studio to do our paper reviewing. Steve, thanks for staying with us. Amazing message just come in. We were just talking before about uh, uh, Barclays Bank that was for a time monitoring its staff, uh, including their bathroom breaks. Uh, Randall sent in a very interesting message here saying, burnout is very real in the workplace across all sectors and it's important that organisations recognise it and set up preventative wellness programmes using professional help if required. Thank you for that message. Very interesting. That uh, refers back to our earlier conversation about uh, teacher burnout. Uh, lots going on. Well, there's, there's a conference going on this week and everyone's talking about how we can protect our teachers. I'm going to be a lot nicer to my teachers when I go and do pick up this afternoon after that. Are you not usually nice? Well, no, no. I, the truth just... is coming out now. No, no. <laughs> that seems to be sound awful. No, no. I'm normally perfectly pleasant, but I'm going to be really nice now Aww. that I know how hard life is. Steve, have you got kids yet? Have you got kids? Not yet. No. No. Um, Don't worry. He's going to have a baby. Yeah. Sorry, Whoa, I blurted sorry. it out. <laughs> sorry, he just pointed at him and he's going to have a baby. Mid-May, <gasps> mid first one's coming. Oh, this is very... Do you know boy or girl? We don't know. We want a surprise. God, I didn't manage that. Did you do this? I, I had to, I knew, well, I sort of knew and then I asked. Oh, no, I wanted to know right away. Yes. <laughs> We're the journalists, you see. That's the journalists in us. We ask questions. It took a few visits, yeah, but they said, you know, no, you can't know What, yet. did your babies have their legs crossed? No. That, that is a serious thing, early. by the way, a serious question. Two, three weeks, at all. 12 oh, it's weeks, too early. couldn't really, yeah, it's too early, so couldn't in the really U- see it. So in the UK, they won't even look to tell you at 12 week scan. Here... They're so amenable. They're like, yeah, looks like a boy. Could be the umbilical cord. Might be a boy. <laughs> but so you don't know. That's fantastic. How exciting. Mid-May. Yes. Wow. I, I have the rest of my life to hang out with them and know the gender. So there's no hurry. That's true. Good. That's Aww. true. Well, you do until they're about 16 and then they'll grunt at you and ignore you <laughs> if they're a girl or a boy. Anyway, Steve, fantastic stories uh, that you have sent in. You sent loads and I so I could pick from a few. And, and for some reason, despite my really quite dramatic fear of death and talking about death, I've gone with human composting as one of, your, as one of my picks from your stories. What's this story about then? It is really important to acknowledge death and because because it it makes you live make the most of your life and live with intention you know it's very important you've got to look death in the face but I get panic attacks when I actual panic attacks I feel like I'm sinking into the ground like 
like actually sinking into the ground. It's very, really horrible, horrible. Doesn't everyone else get that? My husband doesn't. You know those are the weird conversations you have when you first get together with a guy. You're a bit like, yeah, I'm really, really scared of death. And the, and Nick was really, my husband was really unsympathetic and just went, yeah, I don't really understand. I don't really think about it. I was like, but I do think about it. It really upsets me, and I think about it. He's like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> if it if it if it motivates you and it's okay. pushed you to to the great heights as a as a radio broadcaster, then that's a good thing, right? Fear of death uh, can be positive. But see, I'm feeling a bit sick now just thinking about it. Sorry, carry on. Let's talk about composting. I'm going to put my composting. mic down. See, take over. Uh, so so He's taking over. There's a real trend now for sustainability in everything, and this includes funerals. So the problem is that cremation is pretty bad for the environment. Oh, no, and is it? If you get dark. cremated, <laughs> it's, so it's equivalent to you taking a flight from London to Rome. So it's not great for the environment. And I think the US uses up 800,000 barrels of oil a year just cremating people. So now people are saying, you know what? I just want to be composted instead or I just want to turn into a tree. And so, look, if it's good enough for a banana skin, it's good enough for you, for you frankly. Um, so Washington is the first U.S. state to actually legalize human composting. And what they've done, they put you into a container with wood chips and, and various uh, microbes. And in four to six weeks, you get turned into two wheelbarrows worth of soil. Even your teeth and oh, your bones no. disappear. But there's loads of good nutrients in there. There's lots oh. of... There's lots of phosphorus, there's lots of uh, nitrogen, calcium, all this good stuff. Is it just that I think about this more deeply, that I'm actually imagining myself dead? Everyone else seems to be just able to joyfully discuss these issues without the sort of Thomas Hardy-esque depths of despair. I I mean, what I, I start contemplating... The, the, the point of life like why do we live if we know we, I can't believe I'm discussing this on the radio why do we live if we know we're going to die and just be gone and, and Georgia, how does the ego deal with that it's just too much I can't you, you will live on in the Dubai Eye podcast <laughs> don't worry it's, it's, all, it's all fine is that is that a is that a yeah but the nice <laughs> thing is that um, these uh, there aren't any nasty microbes in in the resulting soil uh, so you can use it on your vegetable patch and then you can feed your descendants <laughs> when they have their carrots and they grow them in the back garden. This is dark. This is it just dark, got super weird. Dark stuff. I I do not I just can't do it. But it's a good question to ask. Are you in favor of human composting for the love of the planet? If it you, yeah, know, oh, prevents... you know in principle in principle I, other people I'm quite happy to compost as many other people in the world that want to be composted. I think it's just I'm struggling with my own mortality. I don't mind other people dying. I mean, obviously it's sad, but like, I don't, no one can have anything against composting. It's a wonderful thing, but but I don't want to think about dying at all. I actually feel sick now. Okay, let's not think about it. Move on. I mean, it's a really good story, though. <laughs> Carry on. Like, are there more facts? Because it's a really good story. Well, it, it uses one eighth of the energy of cremation, and so you know there is a space issue for burying people. We're just going to run out of space in cities. Loads of people live in cities these days, uh, and then cremation is just adding to carbon dioxide released also, into the environment. Oh, so. what about the embalming one? Embalming fluids can quote leach into groundwater. Exactly, and that's, coffins that's bad use up well. natural resources such as wood and metal. Ellen just got in touch. Human composting? No. Oh no, Ellen! It's In a capital I mean, letters. It's a, Ellen. It's a good. It's got to be a good thing, right? It's just a little bit depressing to think that everything that you've ever lived for and ever done can be reduced to two wheelbarrows of soil in only four weeks. As an alternative, you can get turned into a diamond. 
if you would rather. Oh, okay, that's floating my boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, you can, that works with me more, actually. You, you can take your carbon from your cremation and get turned into a diamond. Tweet Tom on the agenda now at Dubai Eye1038FM or at Tom Urquhart. In the interim, we have the fantastic Steve Cronin here in the studio. He is from Dead Simple Saving. Steve, tell everyone this course that you got coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, so uh, what we do at the weekend, over 10 hours, we transform you from a complete muppet. financial <laughs> muppet into <laughs> an investing word. superhero. Uh, so we teach you about how to how to be intentional with your life and money. We teach you how to save, how to get out of debt, and then how to invest by yourself as a as an expat because no Amazing. one else is telling you about this stuff. That is very very good. Also, I really enjoyed saying the word muppet on the radio. We should muppet. have more opportunities to do that. Okay, so we just talked about composting. What we're going to move move away from that, even though I can't move past it in my head. Um, Antarctica. What? Uh, someone's trying to... Another continent, try, another country, it is a continent, isn't it? Trying to steal the headlines of Dubai. We can't be having that. I don't know if you've ever done this, but uh, if you, around December, if you ever go to go outside wearing a T-shirt or something and you're like in Dubai and you're like, oh, this feels Arctic. Chilly. Yes. Chilly. Yeah, exactly. It's at least And then you have to remind degrees. yourself that it's actually not <laughs> Arctic in any way whatsoever. It's when my children say the swimming pool is too cold. I'm like, you haven't lived unless you've been in the... The English Channel in February. Exactly. Have you ever been in the English Channel yes. in February? Yes. Oddly enough, I went in just before my 13th birthday. It was two days before my 13th birthday, the 24th of February. I've got to stop talking about this. I sound so narcissistic. But I actually did go in the sea. But since then, needless to say, my um, my temperature gauge has changed yes, somewhat. Yes, you're, you're not as tough as you as you were. No, not tough anymore. Weak, feeble. Well, expat. then you'd probably survive in Antarctica then because uh, <laughs> Antarctica is now almost as warm as Dubai is in the evening, which is pretty depressing. So they've just measured the highest temperature ever in Antarctica at 20.75 degrees C. Goodness me. Which is quite nice. You could sit out in, a, in the Antarctic cafe. Balmy. And uh, yeah, you would you would do fine. Probably maybe even in a t-shirt. A couple of penguins hanging out alongside well, you as you maybe had your... not so many penguins. That's oh. the sad thing because of course they need the ice and the ice is, is, is melting at this. Admittedly, it is, it is summer in the, in the Southern Hemisphere at the moment. But the scary thing is that the Antarctica stores 70% of the world's fresh water, 70, in ice and snow. And if it starts to melt, then sea level ri uh, rises could just be absolutely I'm insane. glad you went with sea levels because I was like, people aren't down there chipping ice to, to put in their drinks. But I understand you now, you now mean sea levels. Okay. Yeah. And, and what's, what seems to be driving this is, is a shift in ocean currents, changes in the atmosphere. Uh, and also one important thing is that there's lots of knock-on effects in this. So the less ice you have, ice is really great because it's white. It reflects a lot of the energy back from the sun, back out into space. Whereas if you have just dark old black rock, it absorbs that, that heat and it heats up the earth even further. Um, so it's a, um, one of those horrible circle catch-22 scenarios. It, it, it is, absolutely. There's all sorts of feedback loops. And, and it's worth noting that uh, London is on the same latitude as Vladivost Vladivostok. 
And uh, that's a very cold place in Siberia. And if the ocean currents change around England, we might be freezing around there and it might not be such a great place to live. So ocean currents are very important and we mess with them at our peril. Will it get cool, cooler or hotter here? I suppose it's going to get hotter, isn't it? If yes, don't worry. Yes. Although it seems to. cooler at the moment. Amazing. I feel like that they've managed to change the climate here with this cloud seeding. I wonder where the rain is coming from, though. Don't you ever think that? When it rains here and it doesn't normally rain here, do you, don't you think, I sort of feel like they've stolen it from somewhere else. <laughs> but maybe that's not how it works. It, it definitely does feel colder this, this winter. I have been wearing sweaters and jumpers and things like that, which does feel odd. Yes, a bit of cloud cover is going to cool things down. Uh, yeah, cloud seeding seems to be doing the job, whether whether it's just a, a one-off or whether it's going to really change. I just wish that the, the water wouldn't all come at the same time because it did flood my my home which was oh great. no oh no that isn't good did you hear do you hear that basically if you live in this country if you live in a hot country you develop thinner blood and that people in colder climates develop thicker blood i always everyone always says that that that's why we feel when you live here you get used to the temperature it's because your blood has thinned i've just looked it up it's not true <laughs> <laughs> but it just apparently dr simon grinstein a hospitalist, that doesn't sound like a real title, with Lee Health, says that it's a complete myth. Apparently the body naturally thermal regulates itself. Reptiles can't do it, but mammals can. It just takes a little bit of time. So if you come down from a cold climate to a warm climate, it will feel like it's a lot warmer and a lot colder. One, one of my little areas of expertise is hydration. I would say don't get too hot, especially if you're playing sport. Do drink. Uh, do have some plenty of salt, maybe the occasional salt tablet, and avoid drinking coconut water if you're exercising. What? No, no, that's not what the marketing campaigns say. No, they no, say no, it's no, full it's of irons. No, no, no. Very, Why is it very bad? bad for you, especially if you're a triathlete or, or you're doing something really intense. Why, so, can it, why so is it bad? Coconut water is very high in potassium and very low in sodium. So it's like a dehydrated body. When you're exercising, you're sweating out sodium you're sweat, you're, and, and uh, you, you actually get quite low in sodium. So you need something salty. Lucasaid. Something, something like, you know, Picari Sweat or, or, or one of these electrolyte solutions. Much better for you. Coconut water is the opposite of what you need. How on earth are they marketing it then as good for dehydration? I don't know, but no one seems to know this. And that's why, you know, that's I'm why on the you're radio telling us you're this. on the radio. Please, please, please. Everyone um, now it knows can, it. If you drink too much in a marathon or something, it can stop your heart. It's, it's serious. That's what happens in the north of England all the time. They do these marathons and people, every year someone drops dead in the Great Northern Run. Steve Cronin has been in the studio for the last hour. We're discussing Dead Simple Saving, which is his website. And he also runs uh, workshops to help you, well, not spend your money, basically. The clue's in the name. He's also got a skeleton on his website. And he explained that, that well, it's Dead Simple Saving. It's a skeleton. And I was like, okay. We're going to discuss about uh, splatometers now which is a story that fought its way onto the programme by the words splatometer. Talking of failure, we have failed the world's insects. Oh, no, come there on. Is, there is an insect apocalypse happening <laughs> at the moment. And I know, I know insects are not everybody's favourite uh, creatures. I have a real problem with cockroaches. I can do uh, spiders, but they're not insects, are they? They're arachnids. 
No, cockroach has been a lo- around for a long time. I, I just saw a photo of a 99 million year old cockroach. And guess what it looked like? Basically like a cockroach. They haven't really changed for a very, very long time. I was going to say, he hasn't aged, has he? <laughs> no, very, very successful animals, unfortunately, but, but annoying. The problem with insects is uh, that there, there's a study using car number plates. I don't know if you remember as a child, you're driving along and your car number plate gets absolutely covered in insects. And the generation before us, they literally had to wipe the windscreens off of all these oh, insects yeah. that have been collected as you drive along. I remember at huge great fires, you'd go splat and yeah. like green goo would come out of them. You just don't get that anymore. And, that's and that's, pretty, that's pretty scary, actually. Uh, what they've, so scientists actually tested this specifically with car number plates, and this is the splatometer. And in rural Denmark, a place where you would expect that everything was just fine. Yes. 80% decline in insect numbers Gosh. since 2000. Since 2000. Wow. And therefore, similar declines in swallows and martins also. Then in the UK, they're a the similar birds. study. We, we, yes. they, they're the birds that eat them. Exactly. Swallows the and martins. Them. And then in the UK, a 50% reduction in insects splatting on car number plates since 2004. So this is moving pretty fast. And um, the scary thing about this is that insects, whether you like them or not, they they are fundamental to food webs and to all life on Earth, really. They pollinate three quarters of all the world's crops. And if, if... if they disappear, we have a big problem. If you've seen the film Interstellar, where suddenly like the world's not productive anymore, like this is a real problem. And what's driving it? Habitat destruction, pesticides, but also light pollution. Really? If you turn on your light in the night. No, no, you're going to say they bash themselves against the are, light bulb. Well, yeah, they. Uh, you see like moths go crazy. They're trying, they think your light is the moon. It's, it's disrupting I, by all the way, sorts of life cycles. I've never understood this. Okay, so they think you're light is the moon so they fly towards it but they don't fly towards the moon they they <laughs> use the moon to navigate so so they would keep the moon on the right hand side or the left hand side or whatever and if suddenly the moon's really close they go crazy and that's why they circle around it until they bash themselves on okay. the light bulb so i feel like i'm not taking this story properly because you'd use the word apocalypse and splatometer in the same sentence which is just too wonderful uh, and also <laughs> your stories have all been really dark today we've had <laughs> death and then a bit of death and then your website's called dead and so i'm going to make you end on a positive story which is that the UA is planning to create something really very special just off the coast of Fajera. Well, yes, uh, they are creating a reef, the world's largest artificial reef. And that is because we have, as a, as a, as a species, we have failed. The... <laughs> Stop being so negative. <laughs> <laughs> the world really needs people to like look after the planet now. It really, does. If you're sitting there with nothing to do, please go and help the planet. It's so important. So, but uh, don't drive there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's been a 90% drop in the world's coral coverage, which really sucks because coral Coral, the, the trees of the ocean. Also, it's really nice to look at. And right yeah. now, even if you go somewhere really nice, it's bleached and, and horrendous. Exactly. These are the trees of, of the ocean. They support so much life, fish, shrimp, everything like that. And so uh, the UAE's decided it's going to do something about this. Uh, the Ministry of Climate Change and Environment. So they, off the east coast of Fajira, they've invited uh, some conservationists from Florida Keys over and with some biologists from the the UAE, they are going to create 300,000 square meters 
That's wow. about three football pitches wow. of artificial reef. That's pretty cool. So I've heard that this area just off the coast of Nigeria is actually very, very good place to do it because it's full of um, the microbes that corals will eat. It's a, it's a really rich area from the point of view of, of currents mm. uh, that bring the food that lots of species require, which is why some of the, you're not going to like this, but it's why some of the fishing off the coast of Nigeria is so good. Um you can also go and look at the fish rather than kill them. I feel bad now. Why, why does everything I, I say involve sort of killing things? But it sounds absolutely fascinating that, uh, that they're going to take the time to do that because it's not a cheap thing to do. And obviously it's going to be great for tourism because people will then come and look at the coral reefs. But it's, uh, it's also fantastic for the environment. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. So uh, tourists benefit, uh, the, the fish benefit, the locals benefit from maybe a little bit more sustainable fishing. Everyone's happy. Amazing. Steve Cronin, thank you so much for joining us and doing the pay-per-view. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, despite the talk of death. Uh, <laughs> lovely to have you here. This is Dubai Eye 103.8.